0: On this edition of Across College Lacrosse, we have games to recap, and we have games to preview and pick, but also we'll dive into more on the situation with Nate Solomon and Zach Ambrosino. Uh, A debate between big decals on helmets and little decals on helmets with Marquette releasing their new championship blue buckets with really small MU logos. Elevator etiquette, for some reason, as a non-Lacrosse topic, and then the all-time greatest People with the last name of Hopkins because uh, there's a game with Hopkins in Syracuse this weekend. That on this edition of Across College Lacrosse. What? Step into the spotlight. Hey, hey, welcome everybody to episode number 11, the ones, the unos, the ons, whatever that is in French, of Across College Across. I'm your host as always, Chris Wastrzemski, have another fun Friday show for you, we're actually recording this on a Friday morning, my first day on spring break, after exams and midterms and a bunch of other studying stuff and projects. So, apologies on the collegecross.com lack of content or delay of it. The Whitney's were delayed. I actually haven't done three stars for Friday and Saturday and Sunday. I did it for Tuesday. I don't think I did it for Monday. I think I did it it for Monday. Did not do it for Wednesday with Vermont Sacred Heart. So, I might get to those on Twitter, at CFDestremski. If you really care, I don't think you really care at this point because we're already focused on... This next weekend in college lacrosse, which should be a fun one. 1-2, one, Hopkins, Syracuse, Denver, Notre Dame. Some good matchups here on this second Saturday in March. But before we go to that, we'll recap what has happened since our last episode on Tuesday. And there was some notable action to go around uh, with the Tuesday games We'll dive into the scores and we'll recap a few of them. St. John's beating St. Joe's 12-7. Fairfield over Quinnipiac 9-6. Georgetown over Marist 13-6. Albany crushing UMass 19-8. Wagner over VMI 9-8. Brown upsetting Villanova on the main line 12-9. UMass Lowell with a nice win over Providence 12-11. Mercer over Delaware 10-8. Hobart over Colgate 12-11. Cornell crushing Binghamton 18-2. Princeton over NJIT, 15-8. to Penn State over Furman, 16-5. to Penn over Navy, 11-3. to And probably the biggest surprise of them all was Virginia beating Manhattan. Not a surprise, but 8-5 being the score. That comes as a little bit of a shock with the score. You'd think maybe Virginia would beat Manhattan by a lot more than three goals and maybe score more than eight goals. And on Wednesday, Vermont defeated Sacred Heart to go to 7-0 and in the season. 17 to 14. Let's let's dive into some of these games. Let's go with let's go with Brown and Villanova to start off. Villanova looked like, alright, they're gonna cruise by Brown. They had a five-nothing lead early in the second quarter. And all of a sudden, here comes Brown scoring five goals in the second quarter and make it a seven five Nova lead. And then the fourth quarter was when uh Brown started to turn on the gas and get that. Upset victory over Villanova with four straight goals to end the game. Jake Miller with one, the defenseman. He actually had two in the day. Luke McCaleb scoring twice. And then Michael Panapinto, also having a good game. He actually had two goals in the day. Luke McCaleb at 3-2. and Meanwhile, for Villanova, Christian Cuccinello, who had seven goals against Delaware, only limited to one goal, one assist. That's a big win for Brown's defense right there, led by... J.J. Encyclio and Ryan Finley. And then, as I mentioned, Jake Miller, who put the offensive punch there with his two goals and one assist. Keegan Kahn had a goal and three assists. We didn't see John Clue. He actually missed Saturday's win over Delaware, or he left early in that game. We don't know how long he will be out. They're already missing Matt Barrett at the goal. But Nick Testa did kind of well. He made eight saves. Phil Goss on Brown's end. He... Really is a big difference maker. If Brown's defense might not be that solid, but he makes 17 saves. Very, very solid goalie. They just put a defense in front of him, a little bit better defense in front of them. It would be a very good Brown Bears team, in my uh, my opinion. Uh, Brown with a much needed win on the road against a hot Villanova team who has been struggling the past three games: Drexel and Delaware. Now with the Bears. Brown is off until next Saturday when they play Harvard at Harvard Stadium. That is their Ivy League opener. Villanova takes on Penn this Saturday at Franklin Field. Uh, Meanwhile, going up to Massachusetts, speaking of Harvard. UMass Lowell defeating Providence 12-11. Well, technically it's Rhode Island, but New England area. We'll include that. UMass Lowell with their fifth one-goal game of the season. They've played in five games this entire season so far. They're two and three. Twelve to eleven over Providence. An interesting result there with the River Hawks. Probably their biggest win as a program. Had a seven to one first quarter. They led at halftime, nine-three. But then Providence got, started to get going in the third quarter with five goals in the third quarter compared to UMass Lowell's one. Fourth quarter. They continued that. They had three goals. They tied the game with two or three remaining, thanks to a Josh Keller goal. And then Austin Lane, with five seconds left, put the dagger in the Friars' hearts with a goal to win the game. He actually had three in the day. Matt Balter had four and one. Sean Tyrell, the dish maker, with four goals. And for the Friars, you had Keller with four goals on the day. Including the game tying goal, Azzy Petrakos with two goals, Brendan Kearns with two and one, along with Austin Galtz with two and one. Now, I I said before when, uh, after the end of the St. John's, St. Joe's game, that the Biggies might be surprisingly good. St. John's, I think, will be very, very good next year. They might still be working out a few kinks, but last year they were very young. This year we saw signs of a little bit of, of a bright spot ahead almost beating North Carolina like pretty much every other kind of bad team has this season. And then, with their win over St. John's, or excuse me, with their win over St. Joe's, a very good win over St. Joe's, they might be contending for a, for a possible fourth seed in the Big East. I think right now it's Denver-Villanova, Georgetown's looking really good, and then Marquette, they look good against Ohio State, then they Took a step back with Bellerman. You have St. John's there. And you also have Providence, who many people thought would be in the Big East tournament as well. I'm not sure, if, not sure if Providence might be getting that fourth or fifth seed this year. It's, I think, definitely more of a three-team race. Not the three teams we were thinking of. Well, maybe one with Marquette. But St. John's and, St. John's and Providence we weren't thinking of as, oh, they were going to be fighting for the fourth seed. Maybe you swap out Providence and Georgetown for that fourth seed. Because I don't think people thought Georgetown would come out of nowhere and be undefeated to start the season. That's still weird to say. But shout out to Kevin Warren and his crew beating Marist on Tuesday. But UMass Lowell, they have a good stretch coming up. Manhattan on Saturday, they should win that game. And they'll go 3-3. Three and three. But then the big test comes against UMass at home on Tuesday. Last season was a UMass slow lead for the most part, and then UMass came back and beat them 10-8. And then later on, I think America East play starts up with Binghamton, which should be a win. Then they have Albany, which will be a tight one. Or a tough one for the Riverhawks, because Albany's really freaking good. UNBC might be a interesting matchup for the Riverhawks. Vermont's gonna be tough. Dartmouth should be a win. Hartford might be a win too. So, maybe U.S. UMass Lowell might be making the America East Tournament. You look at Albany as a lock. Vermont's probably a lock. UMBC doesn't have offense. They have a good defense. Hartford. I think it's a little too early to see who they are as a team. Stony Brook. They just got their first win of the season. And then you also have Binghamton. Who uh, Binghamton's not going to do anything in the AE. So, you have... Two, th- four teams fighting for two spots, which is kind of usual for most conference tournaments. But we'll get to that when the conference tournaments start to come up in April. We're still in March. The non-conference play still continuing. Mercer with a big win over Delaware. And breaking my heart in my in the College Cross elimination pool, beating Delaware 10-8. Delaware on a two-game losing streak after losing to Villanova by one. They didn't come out hot against the Bears, who got out ahead two one after one. Delaware actually was actually tied game with at three in the second half before Dean Dean Simone got Delaware up four three, and then after that, five straight goals by the Bears in the third and fourth quarters. Delaware tried to make it a game later on. Charlie Kitchen scored a goal, making it nine eight with three fifty eight to go. Matt Quinn, however sealing the deal with 127 left. Very good win for the Bears, too. Only one came against Cleveland State on a Tuesday a few weeks ago. Delaware, you, you would think they would have a... Uh, it would be an easy game for Delaware after a, a tough loss to Villanova, bounce-back game, but that was not the case. This is going to be their first taste of adversity under Ben DeLuca, and Ben DeLuca probably knows a little bit about adversity himself with what happened at Cornell. Mercer has Mount St. Mary's on Saturday. Delaware should get a win against Binghamton as well on Saturday. Hobart, down 8-2 in the first. Storming back to beat Colgate in an upstate New York battle, 12-11. Very good win for the Statesman. Justin Scott scoring six times. Chris Islany having three goals, one assist. Tristan, excuse me, Sam Lucchesi starting instead of Tristan Doherty, making nine saves. Connor Mullen for 12 for Colgate. Colgate's been on a little bit of a slump lately, losing to Lehigh, and now they lose to Hobart. Maybe that fast start was a fluke for the Raiders. Hobart starting to get their wheels going in time for the start of NEC play. Virginia beating Manhattan 8-5. They are losing Brian Conrad for the season. They didn't have Zach Ambrosino. Due to suspension, we'll discuss that in a little bit. But, this was a very, very interesting game. Because, no one thought Manhattan would be playing up to Virginia or up to Virginia's level. Or, some people would think, oh, Virginia played down to Manhattan's level. That was, the bladder's probably the truth. But, Michael Zingaro had 18 saves to keep the Jaspers alive. And, you'd think maybe like, oh, this is going to be a goal. Nope. Zingaro with a save. Griffin Thompson starting instead of Alex Road. My guess is because to get him some time and not have road a little bit gassed out, he might have been gassed out against Syracuse. Not sure what. Not sure. I mean, two days travel. I I like the move, and plus it gives him some time as well. He made 12 saves. Ian Laviano had two goals. Matt Moore had two goals. The midfield without Ryan Conrad looked a little bit different. Matt Moore and Regan Smith were the first line midfielders instead of, along with Doc Aiken instead of Conrad and then Matt and uh, Matt Emery, who I think was bumped down to the second midfield. I kind of like that young core midfield joining Kraus and Laviano and then senior Mike Demario. Five out of the six starting offensive players were freshmen or sophomores. Kraus and Aiken being the sophomores, Laviano, Moore. And Quinn being the freshman. And then DeMaro being the only senior in on the team. Then you also have Kyle Kologi as a freshman. Scott Hooper and Logan Greco, who I believe, are seniors. At least they're upperclassmen. Again, Nozak Ambrosino because of that, suspend, or that ejection Sunday against Syracuse. Very good win for the Cavaliers. An adversity kind of win. They'll bounce back against Stony Brook on Saturday. They should have everybody except for Conrad at full force. Roach at start. We'll see about the midfield. Interesting that Emery got bumped down to second. Maybe they like what they saw from Moore. I mean, I did too. Two goals. Regan Quinn also scored, so maybe that's where they go for the rest of the season with that young core of players, which, you know, isn't that bad at all. And then finally, snowy game up in Vermont. It was supposed to be played Thursday. Instead, that got moved to Wednesday because of the snow. 17-14 to win over a good Sacred Heart team. Eight goals in the first half, 4-4 four and four in the first and second. Then Vermont scored seven in the third. Sacred Heart bounced back with the seven in the fourth. However, it was not enough as the Catamounts improved to 7-0. and They are off until next Saturday when they open A.E. play against Albany. Very tough game. And maybe if Vermont wins, if Vermont beats Albany just once, maybe we're talking about an at-large bid for the Catamounts. Granted, their their schedule so far isn't the best. I mean, Furman, Mercer, and Fairfield, and Holy Cross, Quinnipiac, Jacksonville, Sacred Heart, and then later on you have also Virginia. They can beat Virginia. That's a big one too, and that's April twenty-first. Now that game now I many people thought that all right, Virginia's gonna crush Vermont, That's an easy game. Now it's looking like a very interesting game in New Canaan. But with if let's say Vermont loses to Albany, they lose to Virginia, they win out the rest of the way. Are they an at large bit uh an, an at large team? So you have let's take for let's say Maryland wins the big, big ten. I would assume Ohio State's in. I would assume Johns Hopkins is in. I would assume also Rutgers is in. Maybe Penn State is in. ACC, let's say Duke wins. Well, first of all, Duke doesn't really have, there's no at-large, there's no uh, AQ in the ACC, but we like to say there will be. So, let's say Duke is in. We'll say, you'll say Virginia's going to be in, UNC's going to be in, and Syracuse and not See, you have one bid open. If you have all the all five ACC, all five ACC teams, you have only three in the Big Ten without Penn State. Penn State could get in. That's nine. You have a dilemma there, and it might not be enough because the Big Ten and the and the ACC powers are going to probably get the majority of the bids once again, unless another team from a smaller conference, Patriot League. Patriot League, even Army West Point or Loyola, if they continue to do very, very well, and let's say Army West Point wins the Patriot League, Loyola might get an at-large, vice versa, because Army West Point defeated Rutgers this year, and that was a big win for them. They beat Notre Dame, that makes a difference. This is still, obviously, it's March. This is March. It's still a blurry picture for the NCAA tournament, so let's stop talking about that. But interesting question to ask and bring up with a 7-0 Vermont team about to play one of their bigger conference games in their program history. And that is your Moot Week Roundup. We'll get away from a little bit of lacrosse in a little bit, but I'll touch on a little bit with the Nate Solomon and Zach Ambrosino altercation that happened Sunday against... And Syracuse, Virginia. So, I posted the, the video on Twitter. At CF Um. Pretty much what happened was at the end of the game. I think a little second after. Solomon took a low hit. I I'd think it's low. It's a underneath the armpits. Below the armpits hit. On road. Either way, it was a little bit late. Uh, road was trying to sling it down the field. I think that usually happens anyway, so I don't really see how that's... Well, that's kind of a problem because, I mean, Solomon took a hit at the goalie. That's a flag, and that that's obviously a flag for unnecessary roughness. Then at the end, Solomon tries to walk away. Little Rock uh, gives him a little shove, and then Matt Matt Desiama, number 14, shoulder-to-shoulder hits him, makes him fall on the ground, and then a whole scrub ensues. Coaches and our equipment manager broke it up, and then... Referees gathered and they decided to give Solomon and then Zach Ambrosino, number 45, who all he did, I think, was just talk a little too much, unnecessary roughness penalties, and they would eject them, which that is a possible thing to do under the jurisdiction of the referees. I honestly don't think that either Solomon's hit was an ejection-worthy hit, definitely a penalty, and then I think Ambrosino... Did nothing for unnecessary roughness he was just chirping a little bit too much and I'm not sure what he said they actually I saw the ACC report with our head coach John Desco and it wrote down that 45 took an unnecessary hit at Solomon and 45 did not take an unnecessary hit at all he didn't even hit Solomon that was 14 so they got that wrong I think they got the jurisdiction wrong. I I don't really think it should have been a uh, an ejection for either one of those guys. Ambrosino obviously sat out against Manhattan. Solomon sat out against will sit out against Hopkins. But was talking well, having a Twitter conversation with Matt Kinnear of Inside Lacrosse, and he met, brought up two years ago when Zach Zachary was suspended one game for throwing a ball at a ref. Uh, there's no. I I was trying to find video with the resources I have. I could not, but Chris Bates from Princeton commented. The Princeton head coach before he got fired commented that you know it's it's sad and Curry or Zach's obviously uh, sorry for his actions and he didn't mean to do that. But he also mentioned that there should be an appeals process with the NCAA, and it's rare that there's a suspension in the NCAA with Lacrosse, cross. But I do agree on this point that there should be an appeals process with suspensions, even though it's just a game or two, more of usually a game. I'm just a little bit disappointed that the refs got the wrong player. You know, maybe if you have, let's say this was a big game. Let's say Virginia was playing Notre Dame this upcoming Saturday, and they were going to miss out on Ambrosino. Matt Zizyama doesn't play a lot, and I get, you know, you would rather want Ambrosino over Ziyama but you would want to make sure your you're one of your top defensemen can play, and you have a good guy in Logan Greco who could play. But I would still want an appeals process, an appeal that hey, my guy did nothing wrong. Where was the unnecessary roughness on, on for 45? They go to the video that we have. It's 14. They give them the penalty, and maybe it just changes everything, saying that hey, we didn't think that it was a uh, it was ejection worthy. Maybe the Solomon hit wasn't. I don't think. The hit on Solomon was either. My get my th- my thinking is penalties should have been assessed for both teams, and that would have been it. Nothing else. But I'm not a ref. They are. And we'll leave it at that. We'll go with something off the field. A interesting debate I had on our College Cross Twitter DMs. The debate between Big helmet decals and little helmet decals. The reason I bring that up is Marquette, the Golden Eagles, got out their uh, their new baby blue helmets, and they and the color looks fantastic. But the decal, uh, they could do a lot better with that with their decals. Bringing up a image right now, they're actual their R from last year, their Chrome R is a huge. MU interlocking MU logo that covers the entire side of the helmet or most of the entire side of the helmet whereas their their new S helmets white and I think they have a yellow one or maybe at least they have a white one and they have a blue one now they've got this really miniature MU logo with the uh gold or yellow blue and white stripe uh going across the helmet as well and it just looks weird it, it, I don't understand why the need to do that. I'm a big fan of those bigger the bigger decals Penn State with their matte gray helmets have them. Syracuse has them the 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 logos that may be part of the logo that the decal excuse me that have part of the logo on the helmet and it takes up most of the side. Maryland's Maryland has nice lo, has nice helmets. But it just doesn't look good with a really small logo. Maybe the the M was a little bit enlarged and zoomed in. I would like a lot better. Johns Hopkins has a very good logo and a very good helmet on their chromes. The blacks are also phenomenal. Can't wait to see if maybe that white one. They need to bring that back. The cartoon uh, blue Jay as well. They had on the shut hel- the uh, the stallion helmets. R I P sh- the uh, stallion helmets. Because they should never be worn again. But that's just my taste. I'm not a big fan of these Marquette helmets. I'm not a big, big fan of the Penn State blue and white helmets. The gray ones I love. Because the logo is huge. It's just missing a lot of. Swag and flair. And I don't think these new blue baby blues. Besides the color. Color looks fantastic. And they look different. And that's awesome. But having just the. The, the MU being very very small it doesn't just go it doesn't go for me All, also another one is the scripts with albany when they had the R last year and now i think they have it with the S on the purple helmets no they just look disgusting i'm not a huge fan of that and the the UA the U Albany script with the A on the white Rs or Ss from last year i really enjoyed those and the the great, the great dane from Last year, two years ago, with the Chrome helmet, it was phenomenal too. But me, yeah, I'm not. I'm like I'm not. I'm not a fan of the script helmets decals or the very small team logo decals. Not sure if you have the same thing as well. If you have similar or different reactions, tweet me at CF on that. Let's let's we'll dive away a little bit from lacrosse and talk about elevator etiquette. Heard this on the on a, a uh, Philadelphia sports radio station, WIP. They were discussing elevator etiquette. And one thing that kind of bugs me, and I hope it bugs you too, is when people take the elevator for one floor. You know, you get the elevator, say, one floor, two, and you're in one. And I just usually just give a, a person, like, a weird look, saying, like, just disgusted, saying, like, you know, really? You're taking the elevator up for one floor when you could take up stairs. And, some, and for the most part, people are, they have nothing. It's just them and maybe like their they're Grubhub Chinese or pizza or whatever. They're, they're taking up food or drinks or whatever. They'll go with their friends. But why do you need to take the elevator for something other than yourself or backpack or whatever? Why take why, why take the elevator when you have the stairs and get some exercise? Take the stairs, make it easier on everybody, especially people that go up to work on like the 6th or 7th floor and you're going up one floor when the stairs are right next to the elevator. Why? I don't get that. Now, if it's, you know, you're carrying a lot of stuff like groceries or whatnot and you need to take the elevator for one floor, I get that. But if it's just you and maybe a few friends and that's it, and you could take the stairs... Take the stairs. Get some exercise. I do it. I actually live on the fifth floor of my apartment. And I see that I could take the elevator, but it's slow sometimes. But I see it more useful to take the stairs for me to get exercise. And plus the elevators are slow. I usually get down to the stairs quicker. Just People that take the stairs, people that take the elevator for one floor are the worst kinds of people. Hopefully you're not one of them. If you are, screw you. We'll slowly get back to lacrosse with our weekend preview and picks after I recap a top five. Top five, top five, five, top five. The all time greatest people with the last name of Hopkins. Number five. He's still going right now. I gotta go with DeAndre Hopkins, the wide receiver from Houston. One of the better wide receivers in the NFL today. Number four, a former Philadelphia Eagle, Wes Hopkins. Defensive back. He played for the Eagles for a few years, then retired. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. He's definitely not a Hall of Famer, but he was part of that gangrene defense with the Eagles. Buddy's defense. RIP Buddy Ryan. Number three, we'll skip for now. Number two, Sir Anthony Hopkins, a very good actor. He's actually knighted, so he's very, very well-known amongst the Brits and the acting community. Adam Epstein might have some thoughts about that. Number one, the executioner boxer, Bernard Hopkins, who just retired probably at the age of 50, unless he's still boxing for some reason. But very long career in the sport. Very good boxer himself. The executioner, Bernard Hopkins. But that means number three. Who's number three, you might ask? Well, we go to the man that has started this rivalry between Syracuse and the Blue Jays, Mr. Johns Hopkins himself. Uh, who is Johns Hopkins? Well, he was a an American entrepreneur, an abolitionist, and the philanthropist. Pretty much based in Baltimore, Maryland. He died at the age of 78 uh he had about 10 million he was worth 10 million dollars at the time of death uh well known for his name of the university right now but how did that happen uh the civil war here's here's just here's uh his philanthropy page from wikipedia the civil war has taken its toll on baltimore however as did the yellow fever and chloria epidemics that repeatedly ravaged the nation's cities killing 853 in baltimore in the summer of 1832 Hopkins was keenly aware of the city's need for medical facilities, that sounds familiar, particularly in light of the medical advances made during the war. In 1870, he made a will, setting aside $7 million, mostly in Baltimore and Ohio train stock, B&O, he was a owner of the B&O Railroad Company, for the incorporation of a free hospital, Johns Hopkins Hospital, and affiliated medical and nurses' training colleges, as well as an orphanage for colored children and a university, and a university. Uh, the uh, university, everything else was established after his death, but the university was established in 1876, and that, my friends, is how we have the beginnings of Johns Hopkins University, which later on was actually, uh, which was part of the Johns Hopkins Hospital, which is still up today, in the later 1800s. But then, in the early 20th century. In around nineteen oh two, land known as Homewood on the north side of Baltimore and the state was transferred to university. Uh, the flagship building where we known as which is known as Gilman Hall was completed in nineteen fifteen, just celebrated its one hundredth anniversary about three years ago. And that's where we have the richest rivalry in all of sports, Johns Hopkins University. Who play Syracuse on Saturday at 1 o'clock in the Dome. A very good matchup there. And there are other, other matchups as well. Uh, Air Force at Michigan tonight at 7 o'clock in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Wolverines looking for another win. Air Force looking for some kind of momentum after going 1-4 and and losing to BU 15-9 last week. Michigan's 3-2, ending a two-game losing skid against last week with their win over Siena. Saturday games are as follows. Mercer, Mount St. Mary's, Richmond, VMI, Hobart, Georgetown, North Carolina at Short, take on Hofstra. Penn State playing Cornell at Tierney Field in Maryland. Lehigh taking on Army. Albany taking on Maryland, Lafayette taking on Navy, Bryant is at Drexel, Hopkins at Syracuse, Bucknell, Holy Cross, Yale at Fairfield, Siena, St. John's, Wagner, Quinnipiac, Harvard, Providence, Rutgers, Princeton at 1 in the New Jersey Derby, Villanova-Penn, St. Joe's, Monmouth, Virginia, Stony Brook, Colgate, BU, NGIT, UMass, Manhattan, UMass, Lowell are all at 1 o'clock. 2 o'clock game, there's only one. Robert Morris and Marquette at 2.30 on the U. Denver takes on Notre Dame. Two games at 3 o'clock, including Delaware, Binghamton, and then Duke at Loyola on Facebook Live. 4 o'clock on BTN, that is actually going to be a tape delay. I think a tape delay game, is it? I don't think so. Towson at Ohio State at 4 o'clock. For some reason, Ryan thought it was a tape delay game, but it's actually a, a live game. Four o'clock as well, Hartford Sacred Heart, and at seven you have Marist taking on UMBC. And then Sunday is Air Force at Detroit Mercy. Uh the Lax Vegas lines for this weekend's games are not up. They've actually I feel like they've slowed down considerably this year. Uh they don't really do requests anymore. I don't think really people have asked for requests. I've asked for a couple they never got to it someone asked for one of them and they got it but they've they've kind of slowed down in the past few years so it's kind of a sad thing oh they don't follow me anymore wow that's disgusting oh they don't follow anybody wow unbelievable they stopped following everybody i just found that out they have zero fo- they've they follow zero people and they only have 191994 followers wow I'm kind of surprised by that uh, but you know they're a uh, unique bunch. So, either way, I'll give you my picks for this games for the games this weekend. I like Michigan over Air Force in the Friday game. Saturday, give me Mount St. Mary's over Mercer, Richmond over VMI, Georgetown over Hobart, North Carolina over Hofstra in a close one because North Carolina likes to play in close games. Give me Penn State over Cornell. I like Army over Lehigh. We'll skip Army. We'll skip number one and number two for later. Navy over Lafayette. Bryan over Drexel. We'll skip Hopkins, Syracuse. Bucknell over Holy Cross. Yale over Fairfield. Give me St. John's over Siena. Two teams that have improved very much, very well since last year. Quinnipiac over Wagner. Providence over Harvard. Rutgers over Princeton in a game that'll be close. Two or three goals. I like Penn in an upset over Villanova. Mammoth uh, over St. Joe's. Virginia over Stony Brook. BU over Colgate. That'll be a close one. UMass over NGIT. UMass Lowell over Manhattan. Robert Morris, I think, will beat Marquette. That will be a fun game to watch on the on Marquette's website, if it's free, hopefully it is. We'll skip Denver, Notre Dame. Delaware over Binghamton. We'll skip Duke, Loyola. Give me Towson in an upset over Ohio State. Sacred Heart over Hartford. And then UMBC over Marist, with Sunday game being Detroit Mercy over Air Force. Uh, four games I missed out on. We'll start out with Duke over Loyola. I know Loyola's going to be at home. Loyola has been a very underrated top 10 team for the most part of the season, with their only loss being in double overtime to, uh, to Virginia. Since then, they've beaten Hopkins and Towson, but that's been it, and the two cupcake teams in the Patriot League. Duke, on the other hand, had a nice bounce-back win over Richmond 14-4 after losing a pen by a goal last week. I still like Duke in this one, guttering at 8.6 goals to assists. I think the Duke offense overall will be very, very effective. Only thing is, again, and I said this with, and I'm going to pound this drum for the entire season, their faceoff man, Brian Smith, eh, Mike Orfici for Loyola, pretty a little bit better than uh or, than uh, Brian Smith. And then you give the ball to Pat Spencer, who can do magic with that ball. And then the defense is kind of solid with Foster Huggins and a few other guys and Jacob Stover in it. It could go either way. I still like Duke in a one-goal game. Loyola will have if they if Loyola wins, that's big for their possible at-large resume for uh, for May, which I think they'll still be in unless they completely collapse. They have Navy next week, and then they have Georgetown in the moot week game before the rest of their Patriot League regular season commences. But give me Duke in a one-goal game in at Ridley. Denver, Notre Dame, the Midwest battle. I like Denver this one. I think the face-off will be big. Trevor Baptiste is a beast. Notre Dame, looks like they'll be playing very, they've been playing very, very well. The nice bounce-back game against Maryland, even though there's was loss. They got over 10 goals for the first time this season. Ryder Garnsey might need to start now, because whenever he's not on the field, uh, the Notre Dame offense is crap, but when he is, it's it's a difference maker. He had four goals, one assist against Denver uh, against Maryland last week. Denver's only loss came against Duke, and that's a good loss. Beat North Carolina ten to six on Monday. I like Denver in this one on the road by about four. I'll give them about four. I think Notre Dame comes out to play special in defense, but I think Denver wins in that one. Uh, which is the game? Oh, uh, yeah. Second game before the game of the week. It's easy. Syracuse Hopkins. That's a no-brainer. Syracuse coming off a big win against Virginia. Another one-goal game. Uh, They do not have Jared Fernandez, a long pull out because of an injury. Might be actually a bad one, but we'll wait for the diagnosis on that. Johns Hopkins coming off a win against Princeton to go 2-2. Two and two. One, two, three, four. We want more wins. One goal wins for the Orange. I like Syracuse in this one. They'll win by one, two, three, hopefully more goals against the Blue Jays. As Johns Hopkins will have UMBC, then Delaware, and then Virginia before Big Ten play after this game over the Orange. And they actually haven't won in the Dome in 11 tries. Interesting stat there. Finally, the game of the week. An easy game of the week. Albany taking on Maryland at noon on Big Ten Network. Both of these teams lack depth, in my opinion, especially at midfield. They only have one good midfield unit. The attack's very strong. Connor Kelly, you could say he's an attackman, but he's listed as a midfielder, but he plays a lot of attack. He stays on the field at times when he's when the defense is needed for Maryland. Albany, we know about Eerlin at the face of all I think he'll be the difference maker over Shockey or Austin Henningsen. Uh Tohoka, Connor Fields, Justin Ray for the Great Danes against Wisnowskis and you know, Kelly, Connor Giblin, Jared Bernhardt. A lot of moving parts there for the for the Terrapins, especially if Kelly plays some attack. You have Kelly, Bernhardt and Wisnowskis. That's a Ferocious duo or trio at attack. Defenses are also underrated, but in the end, I like Albany beating them by two, and they will retain the new uh, the number one spot in our poll, which is actually now Maryland, and they should be the unanimous number one by the end of this week. Either way, I think winner will be the unanimous number one at the end of this weekend. So there you have it. That is your. 11th episode of Across College, Across. And by the way, shout out to Hampton, who, I mean, they lost to Greensboro College on Sunday, but they picked up their first win of the season, 11-5 to over Westminster. They have been improving. They're 1-3 on the season right now. Their next game is Wednesday against Bethany in Virginia. Shout out to them for their first win of the season. They're not in reverse survivor because it's still a transition schedule, but they would be out of it by now if they were. So props to Hampton for that. And with that, we'll end our episode right here. Follow me on Twitter at CFJestremsky. Follow College Cross on Twitter at college underscore cross. Same thing on Instagram and then like us on Facebook. Also, visit the site on collegecross.com for all your articles and podcasts and whatever. Power rankings should go up later today. Uh, also follow the podcast on iTunes, subscribe there. Uh, Follow us on SoundCloud. Listen to us on Stitcher and tune in. And also do the same thing with the College Crosscast. Uh, Enjoy the weekend. Hopefully, we don't get a lot of snow. If not, stay warm and always stay hydrated out there. Bye, Felicia.